Hey friends, welcome to Real Talk with Rachel. I am your host, Rachel Gilbert. Did you know that God has planted extraordinary and unique gifts inside of you? But things like fear, insecurities, lies, and even past wounds keep us from receiving God's best and releasing those gifts into our world. This show is a safe place you can come to hear relevant, engaging, and authentic topics that will help move you confidently in the direction of your God-given dreams. In honor of Mother's Day, I asked today's guests, Blythe Daniel and Helen McIntosh on the show to talk about healthy mother-daughter relationships. They recently wrote a book called Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters. You're gonna wanna stay tuned to the very end for a chance to win a free copy of that book. Before we jump into our conversation, I wanna share a little about these amazing ladies. Blythe Daniel is a literary agent and marketer with 20 plus years of experience in publishing. She's a speaker at writers' conferences and a frequent guest on podcasts and webinars. She links hundreds of bloggers with millions of readers through Blogabout. Her passion is helping authors share their unique stories. She's the daughter of Dr. Helen McIntosh and co-author of Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters. You can find Blythe online at theblythedanielagency.com or ourmendedhearts.com. Dr. Helen McIntosh is a counselor, speaker, educator, author of Messages to Myself in Eric Jose and the Peace Rug, and co-author of Mended. Her work has appeared in Guideposts, Parent Life, and Home Life magazines. While both of these ladies have impressive accolades, I think you're going to fall in love with their heart and beautiful relationship with each other and the Lord just as much as I did. Let's jump right into my conversation with Blythe and Helen. Well, I am excited to be sitting here today with you, Blythe and Helen. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Our pleasure. Yeah, so... I love the combination of you two as a mother-daughter combo. Blythe, you're a literary agent, and Helen, you are a counselor. Now, those of you who have been listening to my podcast for a while, you know I'm in school studying to be a counselor. So when I saw this combination of a literary agent and a counselor, I thought, oh my goodness, the book ideas must be just spinning. Because I know in my counseling classes, somebody's always throwing out, oh, you should write a book about that. Oh, let's do, let's write a book about that. And so when I saw that combination of you two, I was like, oh my goodness, that's so awesome. But I would love to know how long has this book that you just released called Mended, Restoring the Hearts of Mothers and Daughters, how long has that been in the works or in your heart? In our heart, about four years, would you say? And then on paper, Would that be right? Yes. You know, so we both had had the desire to share some things from our relationship and then from mom's relationship with her mother. And we just weren't sure of the timing. And we had started putting together some thoughts. And as God would do it, he brought a publisher to us asking me if I knew of anybody writing a book on mothers and daughters. And I said, well, I so happen to have an idea that my mom and I have been working on. So that was uh, roughly two years ago. And um, we spent about a year plus writing the book and editing it with our publisher. So I I feel like we could say that it's been, as mom said, it's been in our hearts for a long time and, and probably more so in the last four years of really putting together things that would be helpful for people, not just, well, this is what we did, but we really wanted to share from our experiences from our mess ups, from our repairs. So that's really how it came together. Right. Perfect. (laughs) 
that's really encouraging. It is a beautiful picture of how God not only gives us the desires of our hearts, but then he confirms them, you know, like, hey, I wasn't just crazy or this really is a dream from God. And so the fact that you got approached by a publishing house, that's really, really encouraging. I'm curious, have you two always had a great relationship? We really have. In the book, I had to confess over love. (laughs) That's a word I just recently made up, which is a boundary violation (laughs) to be enmeshed. But we really have had a great relationship. I tell people all the time, we're pretty tight. (laughs) You know, I I would say, yes, we we have had a great relationship. And we've, like any mother-daughter, we've had things that we need have needed to address with each other. And that has really helped us in our relationship to be close. As mom says, we're tight. I think that there's a lot of people that have thought, well, I've never had a good relationship with my mom and I might not ever have that. There there are some mothers and daughters that we've interacted with that, that grew up with having a good relationship, but there's always something that needs to be addressed. Like, you know, we've, we've grown even in writing this book together. You, you asked about the timeline for it. And since we started writing it, we've had to walk through some hard things together with uh, mom's health challenges um, through a chemo diet, through, you know, cancer diagnosis and chemo. So even though we had a good relationship, to answer your question, we have, but I would say it's exponentially even gotten closer through walking through some hard things together that we didn't anticipate. And we're talking about things we've never talked about before. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so good. This is so rich. I have so many, (laughs) so many questions spinning in my mind. And so I'm going to start with this one is that I think that for some people, when they hear that, well, you've always had a great relationship. If they have not experienced that, it might bring up in them resentment or bitterness of, well, man, I didn't get that. But for me, it brings up hope because after reading in your book, Helen, you actually shared in one of the chapters how your mom, you didn't have that with your mom. And in fact, you said you talked about um, how your mom was so critical, it suffocated you. And I that really blessed me because I feel like you have broken a generational curse, like you have not passed it on to your daughter. And I feel like that would be the thing I would love for people to hear is the hope in it. You know, when you say (laughs) like you, you fought for your family, you knew, Hey, this is, we're not going to do things this way. I want things different. So can you tell me, I mean, since you didn't experience that over love with your own mom, if you will, how then you turned it and you said you did things different with your daughter. You know, I heard early on, Rachel, decades ago that whatever you focus on, you will repeat. Mm. And so all the years that my mother was verbally abusive, really, there was something in my head that was like, I never want to do this to Bly. And so it was with great purpose, really, that I wasn't repeating the pattern, but I knew there was a risk. And I, I said, God, please help me. And he did. It's not been repeated. And when you say that part of when you when you prayed, you know, God, please help me, was that you knew to go to scripture for your basis of how to mother, that right. like you were looking at different scriptures that encouraged you and you weren't looking at the world or you weren't looking at what had happened, but you knew how to how to read scripture and say, okay, scripture says this about me. Scripture says this about my children. Therefore, I'm going to line my thoughts up with scripture. Exactly. 
And it, scripture is really clear and plain about how the heart and the mind are the same. And so whatever you focus on mentally, emotionally, you will repeat. Mm-hmm. So, and and really too, in, in Proverbs where it talks about that out of the, the out of the heart the issues of life will come. I mean, just so that scripture has been so important to you. You could probably share that yeah. better than I could. Proverbs four twenty three is powerful. Rachel, you read about the bumped cups. Yes. Will you share that visual illustration with the listeners? I will. Well, listeners, pretend you have two cups, coffee cups or or solo cups, whichever, and bump them together side by side. This represents, each cup represents your heart. And when they're bumped, whatever is inside that particular cup is what comes out. Maybe many of you have heard people say, you make me so angry. Well, that's not true. Mm. They might, someone has bumped your cup, but what has come out of it is what was in your heart. And so it's a very clear picture of what you're responsible for and what you're not responsible for in the emotional bank of the person with you. My mom would say a lot, you made me so angry. And I really took on a lot of false guilt and shame, but God cleared that up. And that's why he says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. God will give little tags. He will name your issues if you'll let him. Mm. Beautiful. So when your cup gets bumped and stuff comes out, ask the Lord to sort it out for you and name them so you can deal with it. It's, It's a great concept. I love that. I actually see a counselor myself, and she said that a very similar quote last week. She said, you know, God brings things up because they're on the way out. Sometimes we oh, we good. don't want to, we get mad a little bit when those things, he brings it up to our attention. And we're like, wait, I don't didn't want to deal with this, you know? And like you said, then we want to put the blame onto somebody else. And um, do you have a better way of phrasing that? So instead of if somebody, like you had mentioned the example of, your mom saying, you make me so angry. What's a better way that we can communicate with each other without saying you make me angry, making them responsible, but more so in a way of letting them know how it affected you? Um, the way I like to handle that is to say to someone, whoops, we have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> and, and invite yourself in say, can we talk about what just happened maybe what you just said and you just inch your way gracefully into the problem and say you know when we when this happened this was said or this is what I felt the bumped cup word picture helps you know what you're responsible for and what you're not because sometimes we take on false responsibility so then you might continue to ask the other person What do you think we need to do to make things better? And again, I apologize for my voice. I'm having a side effect from one of my medicines. I hope you can hear me. Oh, you sound great. And your (laughs) your wisdom is shining through. So don't worry about that at all. Uh, You you know, I want to bring up a something I highlighted in the introduction. Now I have to pause right there and say, 
If you're highlighting quotes in the introduction, you know it's a great book. (laughs) So if you're listening, you need to know I was this book was so good and so rich. I mean, I don't say that about all the books, but I really can honestly say that from the bottom of my heart that in the introduction, I was highlighting things. Um, But you had a quote in there that really jumped out to me. It said to restore means not to ignore, but to choose to make things new. And I really feel like that's such a powerful statement because it is very easy for mothers and daughters. I mean, let's just be honest, all relationships uh, for us to just act like things are fine when there's actually a volcano bubbling beneath and and it's going to erupt at some point in some day. And usually we don't know the day or the hour. It just erupts and then everybody's shocked. And so I would love to know, can you give any practical tips to someone who knows they need to stop ignoring and start restoring? I would love to give some input. Another word, as you know, Rachel, in your counseling studies is stuffing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was a champ at stuffing. I wanted my world to be full of peace and joy. And it was, there were arguments erupting around me. But I think if someone wants to do this, they could go to the person they're in conflict with, mother or daughter or whomever, and say, own that. They would say, you know, I've really seen that I have a problem stuffing difficult things and I've not shared with you you're talking to the person you have a conflict with you can say I haven't shared with you a lot of things that I'd like to process would this be a good time may I share some concerns that I've not been able to voice before I love that and it goes well and if they say yes right. if they (laughs) say no you can try again later (laughs) But you can unstuff before the Lord at the very least. Mm. You can share with him what the Holy Spirit has taught you and is showing you about your issues. And that's huge. I love that you said you can unstuff before the Lord at the very least, because that is so... So true. We always have him too. And I know for me personally, I try to unstuff to him before I unstuff even to (laughs) the person that, you know, because a lot of times as I unstuff to God first, he's like, um, yeah, that really doesn't need to be said. (laughs) Like, that's just something in your heart, right? Like you mentioned the cup illustration. But then other times he's like, nope, yeah, you've processed it with me. Now let's go process it with the person that was involved. And I also love the point you made about asking them if it's a good time. That is huge. And I really want, if you're listening, to really take note of that uh, because that's powerful. I mean, nothing good ever comes from a midnight discussion. If you're married, you know exactly what I'm talking about, you know, or just the random, like, just going in and dumping on somebody and you didn't even ask their permission of, hey, I have some things and some concerns. And um, so I'm so glad you brought that, that point up. That's a very powerful point. So I want to move on. Uh, we won't get to go through like all the chapters if we could uh, today that we would probably be here for five hours. So you all just need to get the book. But I am highlighting a few of the things that they talked about in the book. And Blythe, one of the stories that you talked about was you shared a little bit about college experience and your teen years and different things and how your mom truly practiced what she preaches <laughs> by putting her motto first. This This motto is so powerful. She said that 
Helen, I guess you're, you're, what you would say is what I want is a good relationship and you're more important to me than this problem or this difference or this snag. So I would love, uh, Blythe, for you to share now that you're, you know, an adult and you can look back on that time of your life, what that was like for you uh, in your mom's uh, willingness to stay in that relationship with you when you were like going through a transitional season. Yes. <laughs> you know, and I'll even go further and say that it was probably probably more of a selfish season of um, really distancing myself more because mom and I had been really close. But as a high schooler about to graduate, um, I knew that mom was there for me. I was also in the place of wanting to spread my wings and move ahead in life. My brother had left the year prior to go to college. So I was anticipating moving on. And I knew that mom cared for me. And I think it it was hard to distance myself, but at the same time, it was, I could feel the distance, but it was what I knew to do at the time. But mom was always there for me. And especially that first year of college, um, after I, I came home and had, had really made some not good choices, um, in some areas of my life concerning finances and weight. And I, and it came to this point where instead of trying to fix things, my parents just offered and mom, especially you know, how, how can we go through this with you? How, what can we do to help? And it wasn't uh, a shaming. It wasn't, um, well, let me tell you what you should do. Mm-hmm. So she's kept a very open relationship with me, not been, she's not been controlling. She's not been trying to do more than her share of telling me what to do. And I'll, I'll tell you something that um, we also share in the book is how, when I left for college, she really kind of came to me with open hands and said, I don't want to be a controlling person. And if you ever sense that I am, please say, mom, back up or please, (laughs) please say, mom, you're giving too much. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that as a mom myself, I ask my kids sometimes to say, my girls, especially to say, girls, if you sense that I'm doing too much or asking too many questions of you, or, you know, I want you to tell me. And so it's, I think the communication piece between mothers and daughters is what we really are trying to focus in on this book, because no matter where your relationship stands, if you have a a pretty good relationship or a great relationship or a really distant relationship, what brings it back together, what can bring it back together is initiating conversation. And it might come through a letter. It might come through a phone call um, or an in-person visit. But what we want to help mothers and daughters do is to know that just like we've done, in initiating conversations with each other is that you start by naming what's what's hard and then you ask each other what do you see me doing to make things better so not always does everything get resolved and we are aware of that but we can at least try to come closer together and as mom said always god restores and so that's what we want to focus on yeah yeah and i love that piece that you brought up about communication uh, especially what you said about Helen actively coming to you and giving you permission to get feedback to her, you know, like it's a, it goes both ways kind of a thing, you know, not just mom pouring out all the advice, all the advice. And it's not to say daughter is necessarily giving advice back to mom, which you could, I guess, uh, as, as we become adults. But I just loved that piece though, about her just saying, Hey, if I'm bringing it out to the light, really, right. You know, a common problem just saying, Hey, you have permission to let me know if this is too much or if it's bothering you. So I think that's really, really powerful. And in fact, it's actually one of the reasons I brought this point up in the book. Cause honestly, before I hopped on this call, I just had to pray be like, Lord, which things should we talk about? Cause like I said, <laughs> we could talk about so many things, right. 
right? Um, which is why the book is so powerful because there is so many talking points. But this one really struck me because it's very rare that you see uh, people put that relationship before the problem. That, that's a really a rare thing. But I loved that you guys brought this up because that's really, if you think about it, what the Lord tells us to do. I believe that's in Second Corinthians that, you know, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So it's just that reminder of how much do I value the relationship over the presenting problem. Now, here's the question I have for you in this whole scenario that I know I think about and I'm sure some listeners might relate to is how do you keep that line between not putting the problem above the relationship, but still being willing to confront, or as I recently learned, carefrontation is a word I, I, I read in my yeah. one of my books. Um, when you see something that's unhealthy or a behavior maybe in your daughter, you know, that you go, oh, I don't like that lifestyle you're living. So I want to salvage the relationship, but I also want to make sure I confront when I see something that's a red flag. Does that question make sense? <laughs> yes, it does, Rachel. You want to always, with family especially, stay honest. And, of course, staying honest before God is really the first first step. But choose to not stuff. So, again, you would come to your person and say, may I share a concern? Get permission to invite. You're inviting yourself in. And they'll probably say, okay. And you can just say, I need to share that I have a concern about this, this, and this, and could we talk about it and see what we can do to make things better? So you're not blaming them or shaming them. You're not giving unwanted advice. You're not lecturing. You're being totally honest and humble before them and and asking for their help. And then when that moment comes, you would say, what do you think we need to do to make things better? you know, invite them to give input and then you can give yours. It's just where it works better that way. And it's wonderful. And if you don't solve it in the moment, it is a start. And what we say is you can even say to them, my relationship with you is more important than any of the issues that we would ever discuss. And you can say that several times. And it's very reassuring for them. And I I would say, too, that we don't want to ignore what has happened and we don't encourage people to just brush past it. And, And so there is a balance between looking at what has happened in your family and in your personal relationship and offering grace. So I think we want to encourage people to not hold that against their mother or daughter and cut off communication, but to to recognize the things and and to be able to, we we have a a section in the chapter on setting generational patterns, setting things differently, where we invite people to write down the things that have happened in their family. And I think just that act of writing it down and praying through Father God, these are the issues that I see in our family you know, Father, I come to you for forgiveness for any active part that I've had in this. Maybe mm-hmm. I've allowed some of these things because I haven't spoken up or or I'm just by nature, by being a part of this family, I've inherited this issue. So going to God for reconciliation and restoration in those areas and then going to your loved one and saying, I recognize that these things are in our family 
And this is a prayer that I'm going to pray. Would you join me in praying this prayer as well? And we do have a prayer um, that's listed in the book that you can pray for these generational patterns that have happened in your family and to to really stop them, to to be the stopgap in your family. That's so powerful. Yeah, I remember reading that part of the book and it kind of reminded me, I know in counseling terms, I believe it's called, is that a genogram? That a lot of times they do it with things like alcoholism or divorce, you know, those kinds of things. But I, I really like that perspective of going through and even being even more specific in maybe just the mother daughter, you know, relationships that have been, you know, across exactly. the board. Um, so that's really powerful. And if you're listening, uh, I would very much recommend doing that. Again, if you have the book, then they can walk you through step by step on that. Um, that's just a really powerful tool because it's one of those things, it's kind of like getting your base baseline with your health measurements, you only know what your cholesterol is if you look at it, right? Or and But before that, before that, it's just easy to forget about it because we can't see our cholesterol right up in front of our face. We don't see those numbers. But but with this, it's if you write it down and you see it all there, it's kind of like the light bulb clicks on and you go, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that this is a recurring thing. And so that really is almost like one of the first steps in breaking that pattern. So I love that powerful, practical tool that people can use just right away. And I would say too, just to add to that, you know, patterns of anxiety or fear, but also there's often some type of lie of some type of lack in your life, um, such as a lack of self-worth or a lack of the ability to be loved, um, maybe a lack of boundaries. So it's not just the big things that we typically think of. it, it could be um, something that we've held on to for a number of years, and th- that lie has played out in our self-worth or our ability to be loved. So um, it is important to get down to the foundations. Yeah, so it's good. So God's heart, because, in fact, our book is based on Isaiah fifty-eight twelve about he, where he compels us to become repairers of the breach. So he is into full restoration. And if someone doesn't comply, that's their choice. But his heart really is restoration and repair. Yeah. Okay. And on that note, that this goes right into that on the restoration and repair. Why do you think there is such an attack on that mother-daughter relationship? Boy, it's an assault against the Lord, I do believe, because the family is it's such an attack on the family because mm. that's so close to God's heart. And, you know, women are life bearers. We physically bear life. And um, we also are typically really tied together because of our role as a mother. Women have the heart to help men. I mean, we, we help mend um, children's scrapes and cuts and we, we may, you know, find ourselves helping mend a, a parent um, in, in older years or so. So by nature, mothers play this role of being um, a nurturer, a mender. And so so sometimes we can become tangled up in our roles as mothers and daughters because we both have this heart of wanting to make things better, of mending. And I think our culture has really blurred the lines. You know, so many mothers have abandoned their role. And so I think that's why we see so many daughters that are upset and and really challenged to become a mother themselves is because they've watched their own mother abandon her role. And so it is that tight relationship that mothers and daughters often want to have, but don't have because of somewhere along the way, it didn't go well. Um, yet God puts in us, I do believe as women, the heart to restore and the heart to mend it, it's in our DNA. Yeah. And I, I like that you brought that up too, about so many women abandoning their 
position. And I know for me in my generation, and I can only imagine uh, I'm in my 30s, my mid 30s, and I can only imagine even the younger generation, how they're faced with this whole when somebody asks you, well, what do you do? My response, if I'm not careful, is I'm just a stay at home mom that we're just there, you know, because it's like it's not enough. And so um, so it can be easy to kind of forget how important and how powerful that role is of being a mom, yes. you know, like it That's really is nice. the highest call. Yet we kind of just downplay it. And so I'm glad you brought that point up, Blythe. Um, what would you say maybe to someone who's listening that maybe they've given up hope on their mom or their daughter? What would you say to encourage them to continue and stay and fight for that relationship? I'd love to throw something out. <laughs> There's a wonderful verse in Ephesians six thirteen that says, this is where you put on the armor and it's having done all to stand. And what you'll want to know is that you did everything possible. Even if they, the other person, like my mom, didn't choose to really do much restoration. But I had the peace when she died that I had done everything I could. I didn't want to feel like I had missed any anything. So having done all to stand is just a good spot. And you don't want to be forceful or pushy. So you want to take these steps in the power of the Holy Spirit. But there's still much you can do to clear your offenses before the other person. We've detailed how to ask forgiveness for even your little 2% or more. And a lot of people say, well, they did the most wrong in the relationship. Shouldn't they be the one to ask my forgiveness? But my answer is what the the purpose is to clean out your own heart. Mm. And the person that only has 2% wrong, let's say, in a situation, they're in a much stronger place to initiate reconciliation spiritually than the other person. So go ahead and ask and humble yourself, and it's a great model. Well, it's just your responsibility. So that would be my answer. That's powerful. I love that. You know, um, one of my final questions for me is that in all of this, one thing that I am always very aware of when it comes to any topic is that it's always very important that we hear God for ourselves over that particular thing or relationship. So what would you say to help somebody know how to be spirit led in this restoration of their mother daughter relationships? It would be a real sense of peace. Mm -hmm. In other words, when you think of different things you want to say or do, what do you have the most peace about? Mm. I completely agree with that because my husband and I, our statement that we follow in our house and our kids know it is follow the peace. (laughs) When we're trying to make a decision, we're always like, follow the peace. So I love that. That's very wise and honestly, very practical because I think we all can do that, right? Just where's the peace? Let's go find it. That's really great. And it could be the right message, wrong timing. Mm. So sometimes God delays us, but keep finding the peace. That's right. Wow. All right. Well, you two are just full of wisdom. If you could see my notebook over here, it's like full of all (laughs) these notes and quotes. So I know if those of you who are driving and listening, I will try to pull some of these quotes for you because there's a lot of goodness in here. Um, Well, we are coming to, to the end of our time. Again, I could have kept you all day. 
I love social media. I love Instagram and Facebook. And a lot of the listeners will often, if I tell them, hey, I'm about to interview these guests, do you have any questions for them? And I did this with you all, and I got more questions back than I could handle. (laughs) So I pulled um, four or five of them, but we don't have time to answer all four or five. So what I'm going to do is just grab a couple, and maybe we could even do these just super quick. Uh, your your quick answer. Um, one that I got in actually just this morning that I thought was a good question, and maybe Blythe, you could answer this: of how much of my personal life should I share with my mom? You know, I um, I think that again, boundaries is something we that we want to focus on, and I I think that um, if you are married, you know, your husband becomes a person. I talk about this, but when a season when I needed to to cleave to my husband over something. Um, that involved mom and our relationship. And so um, I honor, I I would say, honor the order of things, honoring God, honoring your spouse, honoring your parents. And so I think that when you realize that, you know, can it help your relationship with your mother or daughter? Then good. If if it's not going to help, then it's better to not share a lot of your personal information. Because what can happen is if you share, there's a tendency for the other person to respond. And so especially if you were just looking for affirmation, it might not be the best person to to get that from. However, if you want your mom to perhaps give you some feedback, you could say, mom, I'm sharing this with you because I'd like to ask your feedback on it. You know, I think just as much communication as, as you can give with what your intentions are in sharing, I think that's helpful. Mm, that's so powerful. Okay, the next question, and I think I might Well, I'm going to let you two answer it. Um, She said, how do you talk through conflict when one loves to talk it out and one does not? You know, the one that doesn't, they could be asked this question that the other one could say, I know you're not fond of talking things out. Maybe you want to think about what I'm going to bring up. And if you would choose to write it or talk about it at another time, that's okay. But here's the concern I have I'd love for us to talk about. So you, um, you you acknowledge that you know they're not fond of chatting, <laughs> but invite them anyway. We also have some ideas as far as when, when you do want to have some time together that it might look like doing something together, which often is a, a non-threatening way to bring up conversations such as it might be going and doing some shopping for the grandchildren slash your children. And in some of those contexts, often conversation happens that doesn't feel forced and it's, it's, it's your allow, you're doing something together, putting some commonalities together. And then sometimes some natural conversations can come up. So I would encourage um, those two individuals to maybe plan something that's non-threatening where perhaps some of these things can just come up by way of being together. Mm, that's good. You know, Helen, you mentioned first uh, uh, briefly just there in your answer about that they could write things down. How is there a difference and is it as powerful to communicate if someone is better with written words than spoken words? Is there a difference there in that communication or do you recommend just doing spoken words? You know, I love offering all the possibilities. One good thing about even writing a letter or email is that you have proof of what you've said because sometimes the other person can accuse you of saying something you didn't say. So it has a risk to do it live, but it's also personal. So whatever the person would have the most peace about, whether to speak it or email it or send it by letter, 
but that's just a beginning. <clears throat> Blythe and I look at our book as just new beginnings, helping people start the conversations they need to that are hard. And once you've started, it's easier and easier. So I think they'll like starting in, in any of those ways. Awesome. Um, well, before we hop off here, do you guys have anything left that you would love to say just to listeners? You, you don't have to add anything in, but if you have anything burning in your heart that you feel like you would like to share, is there anything there? I would just like to share that I think we've talked a lot about like restoration repair. And I think it's really key to understand that a restored heart towards God, even like sometimes we don't even know that there's something that there's between us and God that needs to be cleared up. And so it's not to bring judgment on anyone listening, because I'm certainly in the same boat myself. But just to remember that a restored heart towards God and our family enables us to rebuild and repair our lives. And so we can be focused so much on the other person and on, gosh, I want to make things better with my mom. You know, we just don't get along. And I think sometimes we leave God out of the the picture. And I would just say that just to remember that, you know, when we want to have that restoration with our moms and daughters and maybe other family members as well, it's a really good idea to go to God first um, and, and just to make sure that there's nothing between you that would hinder your being restored and repaired to your mom or your daughter. Right. I agree. Yeah, that's like perfect end on that, because what a great reminder that and I even wrote that down that. I maybe paraphrase what you said, but I wrote down that restored heart towards God can restore our family. Um, and it really does start there. So thank you for just bringing it back down to what it all, always comes back to in all of these areas. Well, Blythe, do you mind um, wrapping us up then just praying over mothers and daughters? I'd love to. Father God, we are so grateful to be your daughters. And Father, we are so grateful for the roles that mothers play in our lives. And we we love that we are daughters. And Father, where there's been strife and hardship and difficulty and sadness, Father, would you replace it with your comfort and your peace and your strength? And Father God, we desire to have a close relationship with you. And we know that you've called us to be in relationship with those that you put in our lives, Father, no matter how far apart we may seem, that Father, that you've built the family unit and that we are part of your family. And your desire is that that hearts would be healed and restored, that, that we would be a testimony to those watching us, that, that reconciliation can come in this lifetime. And so, Father, I just pray a blessing over each mom and daughter that's listening. And Father, that you would just, in some really tangible ways, allow them to see the repair and the restoration that you have for them and over their family, that they would be catalysts for change, for good in their family, that they would stop any patterns that have come into their family, and that they would see a renewed relationship with you and with their family father we just commit all of this to you under your covering and under your banner into the kingdom of the lord jesus christ amen amen Amen. thank you so much thank you both again for taking the time to come on the show we appreciate you thank you we had a great time thank you i had so much fun interviewing those two adorable ladies i hope you're writing all the nuggets of truth they spoke as fast as i was when i interviewed them As promised in the beginning of the show, we're giving away a few copies of their book, Mended. And believe me, you want to get your hands on this book. You can enter two ways. The first way is to leave an iTunes review for the show in the month of May. At the end of the month, we will use our super fancy tool, aka my kids, to pick a random winner. 
The second way is over on Instagram at Rachel J. Gilbert. And you do spell my name R-A-C-H-A-E-L-J Gilbert. There will be a post there that you can comment on and share to be entered to win. Thank you for those reviews and feedback on the show. It encourages me as well as gets these episodes into the ears of more listeners just like you. All right, friends, that is all for today. I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.